Welcome to the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. I'm your host, Jason Dubray, and really excited. This is one we've been uh, talking about for a while, but I have Sheldon Matiko back on the Shelf Shedding Movie Show to talk about, uh, I know, one of his favorite actors and definitely one of his favorite comedians, um, the late, great John Candy. So this is a John Candy comedy legend episode is the title of it. Um, and we're going to be talking about primarily movies that range from uh, kind of the late 80s into the early 90s. Um, and really where he was an A-level comedic actor. Uh, and uh, so that's what we're going to be uh, chatting about. So Sheldon, welcome back. And how are you doing these days? Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. Um, good. Uh, absolutely. Watching lots of movies. Um as always, I don't know. Is that's one thing? I don't know. I, my whole life can't stop doing. It's uh, you, know, you know. I don't think I I would know what to do with myself if I didn't watch movies. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, you've said it before because we've done comedy themed top ten shows and different things. Uh, and I remember that that one show was almost half, half of your list was John Candy movies. Um, and yep, he's made a few. <laughs> Scott had a bunch of John Candy in there, and so, um, and then we said, "Well, I have this John Candy one I've been uh, wanting to produce at some point." And said, "Yeah, I'm in for sure." So that you know, but uh, yeah, and it's, it seems like it's kind of a personal thing to you, with John Candy. I don't, I don't know. Do you want to speak to that? Oh, definitely, it is absolutely. Um, John Candy probably for me is, you know. It, it's kind of like one of those things if somebody asked you to pick your favorite of something you know it would be a very hard thing to do if it's something that you have a lot of interest in you know and obviously like uh, the both of us have a lot of interest in movies and you know it's almost like somebody asking you to pick your favorite movie it's a very hard thing to do you know you could maybe narrow it down to genres or you could narrow it down to a bunch of different things but um to select one ultimate um you know movie or one ultimate actor um to to put on a, a pedestal and say this is this is your favorite um it's a hard, very hard thing to do if i had to do it though if somebody made me i think john candy would be the the one that i would put up there he uh for me just um Kind of exemplified exactly what a an actor should be uh, he was he was such a versatile actor a lot of, of course he was known for his his uh, comedic abilities um you know in a lot of the movies that we're going to review um you know of course he, he's being showcased i think for his his comedy um but to me he was one of the best dramatic actors ever um you know he he could make you feel uh the way and not a lot of actors can uh there's there's a scene that comes to mind in uh, planes trains and automobiles actually which is a movie we're not going to review but uh, it's a very very good movie one of his uh one of his best i would say that he did with steve martin and uh the end scene uh you know and you know kind of a i hate to ruin the end but uh when they find out or when it, I guess the audience finds out and there's sort of uh, some foreshadowing along the way, but the audience find out, finds out Joan Candy's character doesn't have a home. Um, and he's sitting at the bus station. He tells Steve Martin, Steve, his character, you know, I don't have a home. 
you know, my wife has been dead. Uh, you know, it, uh, it honestly makes me cry. And there, there's not too many movies that you can sit down and it will make you, you know, sit there and weep. Um, and there's not too many actors for me that that can actually make me physically uh, weep. I mean, it happens definitely, but uh, I could probably, you know, say on, I could count on my two hands, I think, how many actors could actually make me physically weep um, from one scene, from one look, um, which is, I know, a lot of what uh, movie acting is, a lot of uh, you know, being in front of the camera, you know, a lot of it is 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 capturing that moment, that look. And uh, John Candy for me was just uh, one of the actors that did it like nobody else, uh, in my opinion. And uh, not only that, he was a huge part of my childhood too. Uh, you know, as I've said in other pot in uh, other shows, um, uh, he's you know one of those actors we would watch every time that we would go to uh, uh, any movie theater. That was the movie that we would be going to uh, when I was a child with my dad, it would be a John Candy movie. And uh, he kind of reminds me of sort of just being a kid and, and having fun and laughing. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it in, in my opinion. And uh, not just uh, as a comedian, as, as an actor in general. Um, unfortunately, he passed away, I think, before he got a chance to really showcase uh, who he was as a more theatrical, more dramatic actor. Um, you know, he only, he was 43, 43 years old. You know, I think about that, that's, uh, you know, I hate to date myself, but three years older than I am. Uh, it's very sad. You're younger than I have a lot more time. <laughs> well you're, you're not much older than me but you know like 43 years Weird, old i've outlived yeah. john candy i mean and, and just the yeah. impact he had um in ultimately a fairly short life uh and yeah. he you know he was very much a part of my childhood too like he was part of this this group of these amazing comedians who would come out of sketch comedy and were kind of running hollywood in the 80s for sure it is interesting though we we going through the movies and kind of putting this together and some movies I acquired so that I could have a complete John Candy uh, episode here and then watching these in kind of a short order uh, and being a bit removed now from my childhood and having the critics hat on. Um, I, <laughs> I hope I'm not going to make you sad with this episode. And when you no, look no. at John Candy's filmography, What's interesting is everybody loves the guy. I, I hear this over and over again. People talk about it was the first celebrity death that really impacted them. Um, but when you look at the, the overall movies, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is going to be part of another show someday that I'll, I'll, well, I'll talk about it on, 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 on this uh, podcast, but not part of this. Mm -hmm. this one. I, I think that that's in there, and there's maybe a few others. But ultimately... I'm not sure if the overall quality of the films was always there, but his presence, I think, made the movies better than they had any right to be. Um, and even I'm going to be talking about one of these where I had watched it not that long ago and had, oh, that was fun and entertaining. And, and getting ready for this, 
I was ripping it apart. So, and I'm, I'm not sure how much I'm going to rip it apart in the review. Um, and this is something I run into in the show. And we've heard me talk about in those, those funny Februaries and the action movies and all of that. Sometimes yeah. I am overthinking it and maybe I'm overanalyzing it and I need to just kind of relax and, and enjoy. So maybe you'll be, you'll, you'll straighten me out with a couple of these, but preparing for the show, it, it kind of surprised me, you know, what the ones that really worked for me and the ones that worked for me purely is nostalgia and which ones didn't really work for me. Uh, and it was not necessarily what I thought it was going to be. So and that might be a little bit of a, um, I kind of surprised. Interesting. Surprised oh, that's interesting. On on this 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 round here, um, I want to review. Uh, once we get to the end, of course, same thing. One of my movies has to go. We're going to be using a point system, but as I introduced on a previous episode with Carmelita, we're using kind of a different point system now. On that show, we reviewed three movies. On this one, we're reviewing six. Um, so when we get to the end, uh, well, it'll be almost like a rank, uh, type of thing. The movie we liked the most, we'll give six to second most five points, third most four, et cetera, et cetera. And then the one that we least enjoy, or in some cases don't like, depending on where we're at, would get one point. And I think there's the potential for some ties and some kind of different things to happen now that I've taken several... <laughs> Hundred less points out of the uh, out of the the, uh, the points idea at the end here. So I'm I'm interested to see how how this is all going to play out there. But uh, was there anything about John Candy in general you wanted to say before I introduce the movies we're reviewing? Um. Well, I mean, in general, you you can you can talk about uh, you know uh, all day long. Um, you know some of the things about him for sure. Um, one thing that, you know, I, I've watched so many documentaries about him, um, as many as I think are out. Um, I know I've heard some rumors that, um, Ryan Reynolds and, and somebody else were supposedly putting together a documentary about him, but, um, I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, the family is, he, you know, he, he had, uh, two children, uh, the, the family is, is protecting his legacy um fairly well um in you know from what i can tell um they they've definitely protected his his name and they've they've kind of protected who who um you know i i think he was um i i think he was a little bit misunderstood too as well um you have to kind of go back and watch some of the the interviews um to kind of appreciate um uh, person that, that that he was he seemed like a very um very gentle gentle man um you know and and definitely uh you would get that from you know seeing his his work but uh you often saw him laughing and you never you know sort of realized i think the uh the sort of gentle sort of subtle person that was inside of him um and, and you get that if you kind of go back and watch a few of his his interviews um, but yeah, it, it, it just, it's very interesting. He, he's, he's very much a person like, uh, like I was actually, um, you know, he, he, he played football and he, 
uh, was in the drama club, I guess you could call it, when he was in high school. So he, he very much grew up like kind of I did, uh, you know, playing football and, and acting. He obviously was a, a little bit more successful with it um, <laughs> than, than uh, I have been. But um, uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, another thing, he uh, his father, too, as well. I was reading up a little bit. Uh, his father died when he was quite young, too, as well. Um, and then he also died when he was quite young. Um, John was, I think, five years old when his father died. Um, so it's, it's uh, interesting how... Um, the generations in his family have very much sort of mimicked each other. And, and uh, you know, I can sort of look back in my own family and see very many similarities between uh, uh, sort of uh, his upbringing and mine. And, and uh, I don't know, definitely. Uh, he, it's very, very cool. Um, but, you know, you can talk about statistics and stuff like that. But let's, I think, just talk about the movies. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, a very nice man. And in one, one review, I, I've heard the spectrum of, in with one cast, how nice he was in comparison to some of the other people that he uh, was acting with in one in one on location shoot there. But um, as I often do with these shows, I have a movie where uh, he's very much playing a secondary supporting role, and uh, that's the first one we're going to be reviewing, and it is. As the time we're recording this, I don't know the time that it gets released. Time we're recording this is Christmas time of 2023. Um, and so Home Alone, Christmas classic as well. So we're going to be talking about Home Alone with where he has a, a small role. Uh, then we're going to take a look at Who's Harry Crumb, his private eye film. Then we're going to look at an uh, interesting and somewhat forgotten movie. I, I like having a few of these forgotten ones in here. 1991's Delirious. We're also then going to uh, be looking at uh, another uh, not well-known John Candy film, an ensemble film, Once Upon a Crime. And uh, then at the end, two very famous John Candy starring films, uh, The Great Outdoors, and then we're getting off with Uncle Buck. So I think we have a nice mix of movies in here. Um, but of course, he, he worked a lot, and he did a lot more than just this, and so... There'll be more oh, movies sure. along the way that uh, that will show up on the show, but this will be the, the show that's dedicated to uh, Mr. John Candy. Where are you going? We're going to miss the plane! When the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation... Did we miss the plane? <laughs> no, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself... I have a terrible feeling. Christmas. Did you lock up? Yeah. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Kevin! Home alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Marv. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Ah! Yes! Ah! Ah! Where 
to take your shoes off. Why are you dressed like a chicken? Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. But tonight, he's a home security system. You guys give up? Oh, yeah, thirsty for more. From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Whoa! Home Alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Directed by Chris Columbus, coming November 16th. If you've been under a rock for the last, oh, I guess, more than 30 years, then uh, Home Alone, this is a movie that came out at Christmas time in 1990, and it kind of changed the world. It was a box office movie. I, The more I read about it, the people involved with it weren't sure that they had the movie success that it ended up being. And certainly the idea yeah. of it being a Christmas classic, it's about... Uh, a boy who's really stuck in the middle of this large family, and they're about to go for Christmas to, to France. And uh, the boy's Kevin McAllister, played famously by Macaulay Culkin. And through a whole set of uh, crazy circumstances from the night before the trip and the morning of, Kevin gets left home alone, where he has an amazing number of survival skills uh, for, for a kid of his age. And he finds later on he is going to have to be uh, battling a couple of burglars who have been staking out this rather affluent uh, suburb area of Chicago and are planning to burgle all of the all of the neighborhood houses. And they think they have it easy when they discover that there's just this one little boy living there, but they are actually no match for Kevin. Um, the John Candy angle of this is. When the famous Catherine O'Hara from SCTV playing Kevin's mother uh, freaks out when they finally realize that Kevin's not with them. And she goes through a whole planes, trains and automobiles, quite intentionally so, with John Candy's role <laughs> in this experience to try to get back home to, uh, to help Kevin. And along the way meets this uh, polka band and their, their, their polka leader. <laughs> Played by John Candy, based uh, on an actual polka, polka musician, but was part of an SCTV character that the John Candy had created. John Candy did this movie as a favor to producer and writer John Hughes. It was directed by Chris Columbus. Um, did this as a favor, and he was paid scale, which was not very much money, to do it. And he improvised pretty much his entire performance. No, not many people, if anybody, was allowed to improvise, but John Candy was allowed to improvise uh, his entire performance. He's only in a few scenes, um, but they're very charming. And here's the weird thing about me. Home Alone, I've watched so many times. It is such a classic, and I thought to myself, this is bound to be something that I end up ripping apart and not enjoying, and I was not excited to revisit it. The spirit of Christmas entered my body as soon as I watched this. Notes <laughs> I had such a wonderful time watching Home Alone this time. I had fun with it. I was like, yeah, Macaulay Culkin was so good in this. It was just like lightning in a bottle to get this kid in this role, the right performance. Um, 
and just all of the obstacles. And John Hughes, I think this is a very good screenplay by him. We'll be talking about some of his other screenplays where I might have some issues with it, but this is a very good yeah. screenplay because he spent a lot of time with the the lead-in to Kevin being left home alone where there were all these details and things that I didn't pay attention to as a kid watching this, but I'm watching now, I'm like, oh, oh, that's going to happen. And that's, it's no wonder all this. I had forgotten a little bit about that neighbor kid who comes over to say goodbye to them. Who apparently oh, yeah. He was a, a runner-up to play Kevin in the movie, and he looked with the jacket. He looked kind of similar. And when they're doing the the head count, as they would, they count him, and that's a major, major reason. Also, the punishment from the night before, um, when that whole catastrophe with the pizza and the supper went down, all of it kind of led to this uh, the setup. So I think this setup is well, so they- and and then it's a kid being a kid, and I can still like. There's something about Kevin where I still remember being a kid feeling this way about the world and for sure and having those moments where you're mad at your family and then he suddenly has this freedom and then it's party time. He can go into his parents' bedroom, he can jump on the bed, nobody's gonna get after him, he can eat all the junk food he wants, he can watch the movies that he wasn't allowed to watch because his uncle wouldn't let him the night before. <laughs> He can go grocery shopping and 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 get all the things that he wants and learn to survive on his own and do all kinds of strange, crazy kid stuff. And it's so much fun. So as a kid, you're identifying with him and you're having a good time. As an adult, I'm enjoying his journey, but I'm also kind of enjoying how the whole thing works together. So um, it's like I rediscovered Home Alone. And this is not this really is not the first time I've watched it. But this is the most I've ever enjoyed Home Alone. It was always one I thought I, I'm supposed to love this just because it's considered a classic. And I I guess I love it. Da, 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 da. But this time, sitting there and being critic hat on and as scroogey as I possibly could be, I had so much fun with Home Alone. Um, so we're starting off with a good one for me. What are your thoughts, Sheldon, of Home Alone? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm la- I, I didn't didn't mean to laugh through through while you were talking, but I can't I can't stop laughing as as soon as you mention uh, Home Alone. It just yeah. and it mentioned some of the things that happened. Uh, just makes me laugh. It's it's one of the funnier movies uh, I think I've ever seen. Um, but but yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that you had a good experience. That's that's one of that really. That makes my night. Actually, that makes my evening uh, to to hear you say that uh, because I watching it. I, I I just loved it. I was so so happy afterwards. I, I was like fully in the Christmas spirit after this thing. It was it's amazing. Did you like? Did you go right out and like put up a Christmas tree and, and like? I already had the Christmas tree up before that, but yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> No, I mean it's 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 a great show. It, it, you 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 can't like you said, you know, you can't deny it, and um, unless you've been, you know, somewhere that that doesn't have uh, uh, movies or televisions, uh, you know, you, you you've seen Home Alone. Um, you know, it's one of the best movies out there. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I like you say. I I liked what you said. You know, you thought about sort of having to. Well, I guess you, that you can relate. Um, or at least you remember relating to uh, kind of Macaulay Culkin's character. That that's something that definitely. Uh, and I was sort of checking things as you were talking. He's he's actually forty three right now, 
So he's only three years older than I am right now. And, and yeah, growing. We died. I mean, honest. That's, that's ridiculously coincidental, but um, yeah. And you know, like he he was quite young, and I I remember being quite young and watching him and and kind of remembering. I remember all of the sort of uh, I guess you could say the the fame that he experienced yeah. uh, because of this movie. It, it was intense, uh, extremely intense. I remember being like, and I was like I said, I, I was uh, you know not much younger than him, and remembering and seeing all this and thinking, wow, that must be. I don't know to to be a child actor, and you could consider I'm a child actor. I would say, and to have that much uh, fame and and have how, how that affects you. I know he's been in some other movies too, as well. Like he was in Uncle Buck, uh, too, as well. And, and later, yeah. yeah, yeah, which we'll we'll talk about. But uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's uh, uh, just all kinds of things that you could talk about with this movie. Uh, my my favorite parts actually you sort of mentioned my favorite part i think and i was just as i was watching it the other night um i burst out laughing in my basement just just I was sitting there on my chair and just burst out laughing in the middle of you know like it was all quiet in my in my house in my basement and all of a sudden it's just me laughing uh my butt off you could say um it's when the the two robbers when when daniel stern and and joe pesci uh, come to the door, they come back because they realize that Kevin has been left there, he's all alone or whatnot, and, and that there's nobody there besides him, and they don't know. I love how they misjudge how old Kevin is. Like, they think that he's, like, four or something. <laughs> like, I love that. They come back to the door, and they're standing there. Yeah, yeah, let us in. Yeah, it's Santa Claus. We got some nice presents for you. He sticks the the BB gun to, out the the little uh, doggy door and shoots them right right uh, square. I would say in in uh, you know where the sun doesn't shine. I would say there's some in that general vicinity. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the funnier moments. I don't know. I, I think in any movie anywhere. Uh, but I just love how they misjudged him and was one thing that was one aspect about um this movie you know just how people misjudge kids uh a lot of times kids are a lot smarter than you think they are sometimes and uh this movie definitely i think showcases that uh (laughs) magic uh or secret power i guess i could say as a filmmaker and as just again he, he wrote more screenplays than he directed movies but that anybody who worked on his screenplays or were directed by him kind of said he, he got kids when he did the kids' movies really well. But the teenagers kind of before that, he really seemed to understand teenagers in a way that other filmmakers hadn't and kind of treated teenagers sure. as, you know, um, just angsty or stupid or whatever. Um that was a real gift that he had, and I think that that was very true of Home Alone. Um, I'll say that the sequence that's my the one I always I always find funny. It never gets old for me. Is just how Kevin he's such a smart kid. He uses that old '30s movie, which was of course not an actual movie. It was just the, the oh movie. yeah. But <laughs> when the pizza guy comes over. <laughs> and he uses the clips. He does this again to to, to Pesci. Or to, it was actually Daniel Stern who was 
back there and heard this and thought some guy got whacked or whatever. But but when he uses the voices from that to interact with the pizza kid and then and then the, the kid goes running when he hears the machine gun fire and he's he's, he's sliding all over. I don't know why. I'd, it's not as funny when to describe it, but to watch that that sequence is 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 hilarious. And I get such joy um, out of. Daniel Stern and, and Joe Pesci, neither of them thought this was going to be a, uh, a very good movie. So they both went really over the top on purpose um, and mm-hmm. it actually worked well. But watching Joe Pesci try not to swear is, is, <laughs> is amazing. All that mumbling, the stuff he's doing. It's where in the Scorsese movies, he would be allowed to use one F-bomb after another. And exactly. That was his impulse, and Chris Columbus had to get him to not do that or come up with other words for him to say. So um, I just watching that this time was a lot of fun. And I, I like Pesci maybe a little bit more than Daniel Stern, but I, you know, Stern, like it's kind of dumb and dumber that they are, that they play in there. And uh, Pesci seems a bit smarter, but he's, he, he he really isn't in, in, in places there. Couple. Oh, I uh, love them. <laughs> I was just going to say, I love that moment too. Uh, before you move on, I was just going to say that, that uh, with the, the movie and how he uses it, I like how I know it's another movie, but in the second one, uh, which also has Macaulay Culkin, he uses it again with Tim Curry in yeah. the hotel. Yeah. That, oh, that's one of the funnier scenes too, as well. That it's very well done how they do that with those two in both movies, uh, the first one and the second one, how they uh, match it up with that moment. Yeah. But anyway. curious, I, I haven't watched Home Alone 2 since I saw it in theaters when, when I was pretty young. Uh, at Place mm-hmm. Real Theater, I saw it, I remember which theater, but I, uh, and I remember I enjoyed it at the time. I'm curious at how I would feel about it now, but it's, it's been a long time. I watched Home Alone a lot more than Home Alone 2. I I guess uh, I, just a couple like other kind of fun-ish facts there. Um, of course, his cousin, uh, in, one of the cousins in the movie, is played by his brother, Kieran Culkin, who is now one of the A-list television actors because of Succession, and in some ways critically has achieved the most of any of the Culkins. This is his first movie, and he's a little boy, and he's the one where, like, uh, Kevin's upset that he was gonna have to share this his bed with this cousin who wets the bed all the time. Fuller. Yeah, <laughs> he's right chugging this Pepsi, and then he gives this this, this look to uh, Kevin, like, "Oh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy uh, peeing all over the place tonight, or something like that." So, um, all part of kind of Kevin's uh, nightmare there. Uh, Hope Davis, who's a very important, like, dramatic actor. She showed up in Succession, too, and it's been in a million other things. Um, she's mm-hmm. randomly there in the movie as a, a French flight attendant who Catherine O'Hara is, is, is dealing right. with at one point there. I was like, holy cow, like, years later, like, the, the faces that you see that later become, you know, these these actors or character actors that we see in a, in a lot of uh, lot of different things here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really love, I remember all the stuff I was supposed to be upset about as a kid always kind of, kind of worked, but the, the, the scary man next door and the urban legend that he killed his wife and everything, that whole arc of the movie is, is, is wonderful. Um, just having this, this side story about the guy next door and how that relationship with Kevin develops and the scene in the church is brilliantly acted and written. and 
they have a just a lovely way of kind of resolving that towards the end of the film. I really love that. And he's another like that character actor who was kind of given a little bit more to do um, in Home Alone. Have you ever seen uh, the the YouTube um, where they decided to do a trailer of Home Alone like it's a horror movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I always find that kind of kind of kind of hysterical because I mean, if, it, if you turn it around, up pretty well. Say, it kind of is. You know, it's kind of like how yeah. does this how does this kid come up with all of these death traps? Just you know, it's like, well, I got to prepare for Christmas tonight, and this is what he does. I mean, it's it's like well, a, one of my. One of my favorite um, Mythbusters is when they actually do, uh, they go through and they try some of these things and what they would actually do to a human body if you, like, per se, uh, hit somebody with a paint can that's been thrown off of the, the top of the stairs or uh, and just any of the, the things. Um, or iron that, and... Uh, and the iron. They actually... Well, they went through and busted some of them. Uh, some of the things that they did wouldn't have actually caused enough damage to hurt somebody. Um, obviously, a nail in the foot that'll that'll do yeah. uh, some some sort of damage. Uh, but I think the the head. I mean, I think you know there'd be enough in there. <laughs> well, there's well, there's there's tons of things that actually would would cause instant death. <laughs> Probably, yeah. but this is a cartoon. This is a yeah. this is a comedy. Um, and I, I think I probably told you, I, I have my arms crossed a lot with kind of physical comedy a lot of time. I, I don't, I don't think it's that funny as an old person slips on a banana peel and falls like that. Yeah. I, I don't think that requires very much imagination. The physical comedy in this movie works. It was just, they do it very well. Much, much smarter. I, I, this is where I'm so hard on most movies like this because they just don't put the time and the effort into it to, to make it work as well as this does. This is Chaplin-esque um, or Buster Keaton-esque with uh, the comedy that they set up and the situations they set up. So Absolutely. Totally agree with that. I talk all night about Home Alone. It's a podcast unto itself, but uh, obviously you're getting the vibe that I am in a place right now in my life where I really like Home Alone. Uh, and that's great. Yeah. And that's I, great. And yeah, was there, was there anything as far as like? Because I always want to do this if we're if we're over praising or or under praising the movie. Is there anything you would say is a criticism of it? Um, you know, I don't know. There's there's not too many things that I would criticize about it. It's 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 for you know as much as you can say. It's almost a perfect movie. Um, it could have more John Candy in it. <laughs> In my yeah. opinion, <laughs> I know no, that's that's not. I know that's scale. not <laughs> not for scale. You have to pay a lot more money to, to get him to do. More I know, and, and it's so amazing that you you have uh, John Candy in it at all. You you know, like it's so amazing that you have because at this point he was a pretty big star. Like he he was demanding uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, you know. I, I would say at least he had a lot of popularity in Hollywood at this time when this movie came out um so yeah i don't know it, it's just so awesome to see him it's so awesome to see him with Catherine o'hara and the, the yeah scene. they're buddies very good like she spoke at his funeral he, it's he, amazing he, right on her 40th birthday that was something i read about that i didn't know but um 
Yeah. yeah. And like they're, they're really good together. And you know, I, I think the relationship with John Hughes was everything like John Hughes had planned many more movies with John Candy, uh, which, which didn't happen. I mean, and, and, Pat, and John Hughes has passed away now too. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we've said our piece. I don't think home alone needs our I help, so. but uh, I, I sense that we, we both really enjoy it. fortune in ransom i don't care what they want i'll pay anything a mystery in the making you don't know anything about this kidnapping do you there's only one man tough enough to intimidate the suspects smart enough to uncover the clues brave enough to catch the kidnappers who is that harry crumb <laughs> that's right the harry crumb <laughs> He's the last in a long line of great detectives. My reputation precedes me. Otherwise, I'd be late for all my appointments. <laughs> He's a master of disguise. I am the Jules Delioche. Could you spell that, please? I don't think so. Try it with a D. His mind is like a steel trap. You find that crazy typewriter, and you'll have your kidnappers. It's no wonder they took her. Just look at her. She's perfect. Perfect? Yeah, I don't know. Look at the size of her head. She must be enormous. You get paid for this? Usually, yeah. Are you a fly fisherman? Fishing is my life. Who's Harry Crumb? <laughs> He's the best at tracking down the worst. Nimble yet clumsy. Cunning yet naive. He's a man's man. Loved by women. He's coming on strong. He's coming through. And he's coming to a theater near you. Harry Crumb. John Candy. Looks like this one. Get a little rough. Who's Harry Crumb? Who's Harry Crumb is a late 80s comedy where we have John Candy playing Harry Crumb. It was part of a generation of these private investigators. He is arguably kind of the black sheep of the family, and he's been sent away uh, and uh, is kind of doing these these jobs in kind of a, a dead-end town, which is mostly kind of jobs involving catching people who are... Uh, you know, trying to get dirt for, for money for a divorce type of a thing. Um, but there's this more major kidnapping that happens uh, really at the beginning of the film. And Jeffrey Jones, uh, who is kind of running this company, uh, decides that uh, Harry Crumb is the man for the job and calls him back to the main, to the main uh, office there to, uh, to try to solve this uh this affluent family where uh, their da daughter has been uh, has been kidnapped. Um, this is one I saw recently, and I was like, "Oh, you know, this is this is just just fun. Brain is completely off. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Solid three star movie." Then I'm I'm doing a, a podcast on this and watching it again. 
I'm like, oh man, they were trying their hardest to make this funny and really yeah. stretching bits. And, and a lot of it brought a smile to my face, but didn't really make me laugh a whole lot. I think there are some, some highlights in here for sure. I know John Candy wasn't happy with, I think it was TriStar that released this because they, they did a terrible job of marketing it, almost like they gave up on it. So Candy himself was going to do, because he was a producer on it, a lot of promotion, which this, the studio wouldn't let him do. And then he went and he started to buy billboards to try to get people to see the movie. The movie didn't, I don't think, ultimately do that well um, because of this. I, I remember, you know, it when it was kind of out in, it was playing on Super Channel and it was kind of recently on home video. And I was like, oh, there's this other John Candy movie where he's playing, uh, I didn't know what it was about. It was, oh, he's a police officer or something in that. Oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. But I, I don't remember hearing anything about it like I heard about uh, The Great Outdoors and, and, and some other, you know, fairly famous John Candy movies. Um, and yeah. I guess because of the what the studio did. But there are things that I like. I'm going to start off with what I like. I mean, we have some fun cameos. James Belushi shows up uh, uncredited randomly. I mean, it's not a terribly funny bit. He's just kind of a guy on a bus. Who's, yeah, who's just a random. Candy is just like, oh, I guess we could get James Belushi to just come in here for a day and do this. An actor, Shawnee Smith, who was like a kind of a face from that time. Um, it's years later. She was in the the uh, the Stand, the uh, miniseries of Stephen King's The Stand. Not playing a very nice character, but she plays the other sister, the again the the black sheep of her family, where she's just kind of there, but her sister is gorgeous and talented and all this, and she feels like a second class citizen, and she kind of becomes Harry's sidekick along the way, and uh, uh, again it helps that she's you know smarter than, than than he is. I like that performance. She's playing Nikki. I like that character. I like that character story. I think that's. I almost wanted the movie to kind of at points be about her a little bit more than 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 what we were what we were getting. Um, yeah, I think probably the funniest scene in it. I'll let you talk in a minute. Actually, let's let's go into. I'll I'll tell you about my funny scene later. But what what are your thoughts about Harry Crumb? Um. Yeah, you know, honestly, I don't have a whole heck of a lot to say about this this movie. To be honest. Um. Yeah, I, I, very similar sort of experience to yours, I would say. You know, I, I smiled through a lot of it. And I, I've watched it so many times. I've I've watched it when I was a kid. I watched it when I was a teenager. I watched it, uh, you know, recently. And, and it does. It, it just kind of makes me smile. I don't think I would, like, it's not going to sit there and, I, I should say I'm not going to sit there and burst out laughing. I guess I should say in the middle of my basement while it's quiet. You know, it's not one of those uh, movies for me. Um, it's it's honestly one of my least favorite John Candy movies to be to be honest. And it it it, it didn't do very well at the box office. I don't oh, think no. it, uh, 10.9 million. I think in North America. Yeah, that's sure. not. Yeah, I was just going to say that's not great. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Like it's 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 a good movie. Okay, like I I, I honestly I like the movie. I like watching it, mm -hmm. but it's not one of the John Candy movies that. And I own I think 
almost everything that he's ever been in. There's a couple of things in the seventies that I don't think I have, but um, I have almost everything that he's ever been in. It's not the first one that I would pick off the shelf. Uh, mm-hmm. That's for sure. That's uh, which is unfortunate because I like a lot, so many things about it. There's so many great parts in it. And there's so many parts where I just, I, I love it and I love what they were doing. And then, like you say, there's parts throughout the whole movie where you can just, you sit back and you're like, wow, they're really trying hard here. And it, it just doesn't kind of come through sometimes in my opinion. And I mean, like the sad thing about it is like, this really is the John Candy show. You know, he's in so much of it. He drives the story. He produced it. Um, And and again, I think this was from SCTV, uh, Joe Flaherty. And was this his brother who directed, I think? Um, I think so. Brother, and it was through those SCTV connections. And Joe Flaherty is an extended Yeah, it was Paul. Um, uh, Yeah, Paul, Paul, and this is Joe. Paul Flaherty. Joe's brother, I believe, and then Joe shows up um, yeah. a little bit later on. Um, and I think like Joe Flaherty's entire sequence is problematic, but that's you know we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I will say that uh, the thing that may be worth your time is this dinner scene um, when they're all together. There's a police officer and Jeffrey Jones and the like the. The whole family is there, including um, uh, Annie Potts is 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 in here, who's the uh, kind of the stepmother. Um, and uh, there's a scene where they're like playing footsie under the table, and and oh, Harry yeah. and Harry starts to like, starts to play footsie with the wrong person, and then at least it's yeah. a confusing thing where where Jeffrey Jones ends up playing footsie and. And with the the female police officer, and then like, how could you be doing this? And then it all just gets this. <laughs> I I remember that scene when I was a kid. I remember enjoying that. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not uh, groundbreaking, but it's it's an entertaining uh, little comedic bit, which I think has a little bit more of a payoff than some other some other things. Um, yep, I agree. And. I mean, apparently, even though this movie, the song was used like in a hundred movies in the eighties, but I need a hero during the climax, which is this ridiculous chase, trying to chase an airplane that's taking off. And we've seen that in other movies too. And so it's, it's fine for the, the action movie uh, aspect of this. Um, but yeah, I, again, I'm this one, and it's not the only one where we're, the, the, and I have to keep remembering that it's an 80s movie, but there's some of those lines in there that just make you wince. Uh, yeah. It's, some of it doesn't hold up very well at all. It does not go well. Things are predictable. I mean, Jeffrey Jones says this precious dinosaur egg, right, which is introduced. I'm like, you know, the second that this is introduced, what's going to happen to this egg? I mean, they have the patience to do about three scenes where this egg nearly gets destroyed before we get the uh the payoff to it but again i you know i could see that coming two you know two million miles away all right yeah i mean there's some kind of some racist like that uh, that whole sequence where there's some bad dirt kind of stuff to to come in to because he's repairing the the air conditioning to try to get into this you know to to get some dirt on uh 
on any pots there. And then um, that was uh, kind of, you know, like I was just going to say like that, that was kind of a thing. I, I think a lot of comedians from that era sort of mm-hmm. um, did, but y- you know, nobody really sort of thought about, I think how, how, you know, that, <laughs> that really isn't very, um, you know, it doesn't speak well about any sort of culture whatsoever. Right. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. That was, that was the thing. If you were around in the eighties, you saw a lot of comedians, like there's a lot of comedians, Peter Sellers made a career out of doing stuff like that. Yeah, he did. Um, and that wouldn't happen. Now. Like, I love the party, uh, Peter yeah. Sellers, but that's, <laughs> that would be a, a no go way. Uh, if it was no, ever pissed wouldn't, down, wouldn't happen. Yeah. You'd be kicked out of Hollywood for even suggesting it, but. Um, the yeah. other thing is like, and the John Candy repeated this in, in multiple movies. We, we have this bit to, towards the end where he's in drag and like the, to me, it's like a, you know, the kind of humor that, you know, oh, it's funny to see uh, a straight man dressed up as a woman, you know, and, oh, he, and he's going to solve a case in San Francisco. I mean, it was just kind of, that, yeah. you know, that, there's just, some uh, yeah. last things like the, that. Um, and it's just kind of oh, shoot, you know that you know, sort of falls a little flat. Like, and like, there's you can make things like that. It looked um, funny at the time. It looked funny, but, but now it, yeah. it really is not. It's it, it's just they're they're more intelligent people, comedic minds behind this than what is actually coming across on screen. So, well, like I I just think about one scene in a different movie of a John Candy movie in, in Armed and Dangerous where where he's dressed up in as uh, in drag actually and that scene, scene works works. Yeah, that scene works really well with Eugene Levy uh, that, that's one of the greatest it, scenes it works very well I'd have to watch it again to, yeah. to see how, how, how I personally feel about that movie well, um, uh, yeah like yeah it's 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 yeah it's still it's an 80s movie right but he went into it again a, a movie I'd actually like to get a copy of I don't have a copy of Nothing But Trouble uh, which is like a oh universally God. despised movie that Dan Aykroyd directed, oh. and they they play on that bit and they milk that bit with with Candy playing a a woman and uh, so um, that doesn't work in that one. That one it doesn't work. Oh, it, sometimes it worked and sometimes it did not work. Yeah, it, it just it, but it was like a a well he seemed to tap into a lot and I, I think candy needs to like you know uh, we're not going to stomp on anybody's grave here but if he need you know no. he is partially responsible for for this i can get you can blame the studio for the marketing or whatever but the ultimate yeah. part if he's the star and then he's the producer he he was able to call more shots and than, than some of the other uh movies that he he was involved with so uh, but i have to say when i just randomly watched it and i was just looking for something kind of light to watch with my family Who's Harry Crumb is not going to harm anybody, really, I don't think. No, it's not a bad movie. It's it's just, I wouldn't say it's a great one, either. Yeah, yeah I was a little bit disappointed with my reaction to it. I thought it might actually, uh, I, I might be saying more more positive things, but when I actually broke things down a little bit more. And I'm not sure if multiple viewings helps that movie uh, as much as, as one view. Not really. Not thinking and enjoy it. Put your brain on hold. Maybe there's worse out there, for sure. Jack Gable may appear to be successful, but he still has his problems. Here, let me help you up here. 
especially with women. Jack, when are you going to stop kidding yourself about Laura? There's nothing going on between me and Laura. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> but do you? Till one day, the writer of the sappiest soap on TV. These heart, lung, liver transplants are almost routine. Good scene. Really great scene. Had a slight accident. And woke up to find himself living in his own show. You're in Ashford Falls Community Hospital. <laughs> there is no Ashford Falls. <laughs> See for yourself. Oh, no! All I want to do is get out of this stinking little town. You say you're a writer, then, then, then write your way out! <gasps> What's the rush? Where am I running? <laughs> now, I'll make Rachel beg for me. With the help of his typewriter, he can make himself into the man he's always wanted to be. I love this. But suddenly, things just aren't going according to the script. I didn't write any of this. And all he wants is to write his way home. Oh, God, I couldn't have been that drunk. Why else did I write last night? But getting there will require the minimum of typos. The bartender needs more cold deer. Not deer. Beer! John Candy. I know this may sound crazy, but I created this whole town! <laughs> Marielle Hemingway. Oh, oh, oh. Emma Sands. He has this strange power over me. Raymond Burke. What the hell is going on around here? Delirious. I'm in hell, and my punishment is spending eternity on my own show. Okay, I remember renting in 1991. I don't know if it was in 91 or 92 I rented this, but John Candy had a couple movies in 1991. Uh, another one I'd like to get my hands on. I don't have a copy of Only the Lonely, which is kind of a. Uh, it, it's that movie speaks a bit to uh, what you were talking about with his dramatic abilities as well as his comedic abilities. But I really remember enjoying this movie, Delirious, that I didn't have a copy of. I finally found a copy of it where John Candy is uh, the head writer on a soap opera, and we can see that um, uh, that the creators of the show, uh, and one of them being the great, late, great Jerry Orbach, um, mm -hmm. are trying to find a way to get rid of him and also like kind of the main star of the show who's become a diva and problematic. Um, through a set of circumstances, which I think were plausible to me when I was uh, almost a teenager watching this movie, and less plausible now as an adult at 44 watching this movie, um, he ends up having a severe bump on his head, which has, of course, made him delirious. And he then finds himself as a character in his own soap opera world. Um, and he soon discovers that uh, all of these things that are happening are because of this rival soap opera writer who's destroying his show. And he needs to get a typewriter and start uh, changing the scenes uh, in some cases, he does this to try to make things kind of work out for himself uh, romantically, but also to try to fix uh, what this rival soap opera writer who might be coming in to take over his show might do. I still really like the premise of this, and I, I had a, a good enough time with it. 
did I enjoy it as much as when I was younger? Probably not. I have a, a fairly large list of things that I um, have, have problems with. I just gave a hard time about the cross-dressing in uh, Who's Harry Crumb. There's a, a transgender mechanic for... That was a little weird. It's a soap opera in the 90s, so they would yeah. probably have something like that. So I guess I can give it a little bit of rope in that way. Um, yeah. there, but that character's kind of handled in a, in a weird way. There, there's a few things here and there. Similar thing, you have this precious egg, uh, dinosaur egg, and who's Harry, Harry Crumb. There's this precious rare Nat King Cole record, which actually gets... We, we, <laughs> We see it multiple times throughout the movie, but we know exactly what's going to happen to it as soon as it's explained and introduced in the, in the movie. But um, all that to say, uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff I really like. Starting with, I, it's the weirdest thing that, you know how there's a song, a random song in your life that you always remember and you can't completely get out of your brain, no matter how many years in between? The theme song for Delirious... <laughs> Has been stuck in my head since I saw this when at whatever age I was. I just remember this delirious. I just remember that part. Of it. So I was I was excited for for the opening to hear the song again. Lyrics are because like the the actual the music of it and part of it has been stuck in my brain for years. I think this is just a, an off the beaten path movie and I kind of almost a forgotten <laughs> movie in John Candy's filmography. So if I can highlight it by reviewing it on the show, I'm happy to do it. Um, it's not the best movie we're talking about, but I still, it, it gives me enough entertainment. I'm not rolling on the floors laughing because of it, but I like the premise. I like the idea. I like most of the execution, maybe not all of it. Um, and we'll, we'll get to various cast members uh, who are in here because they got some really good people to be in this movie as well. Some people there's a missing persons alert on as well that I'd like to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, delirious to me is a good time. I, I don't know if it was a good time for you, Sheldon, but it was for me. Um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this movie. Actually. I, I really, I I've always enjoyed this movie. This is one of, one of my favorite John Candy movies, I would say definitely um i like the premise like you said i love the premise um just as i don't know sort of a i don't know an english person i guess you could say like in the in the sense of uh literature um or you know a dramatic person i i just i love the premise of of him being able to write his own story as it's happening in his head right i just i love that or or whatever you want to believe whatever you want to believe that's happening in this movie that the that they've created or this uh this uh you know world that they've created um it just i love it i i love the premise i love what's happening throughout the whole movie it's it's almost it's almost like a lucid dream um that he's having and he can you know manipulate it in any different way that he wants to and i don't know how many times i've uh laid awake at night or um you know just sat there and daydreamed uh about being able to control my own world in the way that uh you know that uh, he controls his world it's so cool and I love that he liked the song. The song I started laughing the whole time as soon as he brought the song up. Delirious. It's not a clever song, but there's something catchy about it. I can't quite. 
Yeah. Oh, oh man. But you're right. Is I like I just watched it the other day again, and uh, <laughs> you're right. Like after now that you said that, I, I thought it was extra funny because I was sort of singing the song afterwards. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a catchy tune. It really, it's really is. This thing. If more people saw it, maybe it'd be more of a a well-known song. But I don't know. Um, I don't know. The, the, the cast, I mentioned Jerry Orbach. I, I love that guy, you know, whether it was yeah. Law and Order or he showed up in Woody Allen movies. He should, I mean, uh, just a great career and very important figure in New, New York theater. This is a New York-based mm -hmm. film and New York actors. Um, Muriel Hemingway, um, I've always really enjoyed her. Like, you know, as a child actor, she was given some very tough roles early on. Yeah. Um, and... You know, she's, I, I mean, one of the problems at suspension of disbelief that she is the less pretty uh, woman that, that John Candy kind of ignores and then starts to realize, yeah. oh, I actually uh, care about her as, as the, the, you know, the delirium go goes on and on there. Uh, but the fact mm -hmm. is, like, Emma Sams, who is an actor I really like, but I don't know what, what happened to her. Um is the, the soap opera diva. And then, of course, we realize that, you know, Candy, in the world he's created of this soap opera, he's fallen in love with that character that he's created. And he's also fallen in love with the actor. But then, like, she's having an off-on-again and off-again uh, relationship with another actor on the show. And then in this in this world, he can manipulate it so that, this ridiculous sequence where uh, it looks like she's going to die in a horse accident, horse riding accident. And he comes <laughs> along and saves her just at the last moment. And, oh, I mean, th this is not the only movie we talk about where you can go tell that there's a stunt person riding a oh, horse. Yeah. And, uh, like that silhouette of the horse coming up in the air. And he's being yeah. a cowboy. And it's like, uh, yeah, I can so tell that's not John Candy who's on that horse right now. But... Um, but it, because of the, the genius of having it in the soap opera world is you can get away with it, anything. It can be over the top. It can be ridiculous and kind of critic proof, um, in some ways, um, Dylan Baker. Oh, young Dylan Baker. Larry. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit that keeps going on and on where he's, 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 his brother, who's the favorite, you know, like he's he's the favorite in the family. But was his brother like who was it who was doing the 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 doctor who's inept and is doing these experiments on him? And he's starting to like physically, his hair is coming out, his teeth are coming out. <laughs> he he is a mess, and that you know the makeup, everything that that, that family on him. The fa the family makes uh, pharmaceuticals. Yeah, that's um, right. And, and and so this was one of the experimental drugs. Yes, the pharmaceuticals out on him, and he's like, kind of starts off as this, like, you know, as as normal as Dylan Baker can look. He always plays villain, yeah. kind of a little bit of that whatever, but he starts sicker and he's just completely falling. There's this one scene where like he opens his mouth and it's it's like complete blood just comes oh, like drooling out of his mouth. Like yeah. he, there's I think just a little later on he looks over at the doctor and they're sitting at a table together and the doctor just 
ooh, and your your gums don't don't look very good either. <laughs> like just no, that that was one of the funnier uh, performances in yeah. this movie for me was Dylan Baker, and uh, you know he's one of my favorites. Like in Let's Go to Prison and uh, some of the other, he's in actually. Well, he has a small role in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That's right. Uh, where he, yeah, 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 he comes out as uh, Gus's son, uh, <laughs> driving the old pickup, and he talks about his wife and her being pregnant and the baby coming out all kinds of different ways, and oh my gosh. That scene uh, cracks me up uh, every time. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Baker is one of my favorites. I just, I had to had to stop and talk a little bit more yeah. about him. Well, and it's kind of compared to what he gets now for roles. It's a very different role now, but it was this was early early in his career, and he is very funny. Um, yeah, a legend. I mean, Raymond Burr, the great Raymond yeah. Burr, Perry Mason himself. Uh, is the, the patriarch of, of, of his family and is kind of sort of a villain um, in there. And he plays a very very goofy character, too. He does, very much. Because because of candy controlling things, he's inserted things from his life, like waiting for the cable repairman for hours. <laughs> this is an early scene. He's, he starts uh, all this horrible stuff is, is, is going to happen, and we need Raymond Burr to act, but he can't because the cable repair guy is going to come over anytime now and and fix the exact same problem that happened. I, I thought that was kind of fun. Robert yeah, bars on two and seven. Bars on two and seven. Sorry, I, I had to. That was a very funny scene with so the cable. that time because we only had so many channels then. So um, Raymond, or, uh, Robert Wagner comes in and has a cameo playing himself and, and the, like the you know how he disappears and reappears as you know this whole thing is he's he's this guy that John Candy uh pretends to be um and then he's trying to write him out and again yeah Robert Wagner later on in Austin Powers movies did did some good things and kind of playing um deadpan serious in in a comedy so uh, I like those bits I guess here's where if I if I put my brain back in my head for a minute um, I don't want to spoil too much of the end of the movie, but how is it that because that there's potentially this this attraction and relationship in the delirium with Muriel Hemingway, that when John Candy comes out of it, just automatically he's going to run down and he's going to track down this random struggling actor, and well... the two of them are just going to instantly fall in love. And he's, you know, I mean, uh, to the point yeah. we have kind of a cheesy last scene. I, I, again, I shouldn't be thinking this hard about it, but you know, if you've been kind of treated badly at an audition, and you, like this, the guy chases after you. There's, there's something kind of weird and creepy about it. This, unfortunately, I mean, uh, you know, that that was like Muriel Hemingway's a sport. I think she is, and and you know, in, in a lot of movies and. Uh, but I felt like her like her presence is great, her performance is great, but she was kind of used as a plot device, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, maybe, maybe they all are in some way, but I thought in particular in, in the reality of it and in the delirium of it, like her, her character just gets used for, 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 for this purpose. When we're in the delirium in the soap opera world, I don't think I mind that as much. 
but I have questions about when it just without, and I know it's the end of the movie and you're trying to wrap it up, but without explanation, um, it's like turning this, this kind of goofy comedy into, well, we also have to have some sort of a romance attached to it. I don't think we necessarily need it, but it's a payoff to what happens in his delirium that he saw this yeah. beautiful woman who was going to audition for a show and lost track of her. And, and that was, that was that. So I think I, well, I like, I think to, though too, um, they, they sort of play on John Candy's sort of uh, stature, statute, I should say statute. His his sort of um, well, like he's a bigger guy. They sort of play on that a little bit in this movie, and they sort of you know kind of stay like because he's he's in love with the the one actor in in the real world, and yeah. uh, you know one of the lines I think is uh, you know uh, or she's in, he says she's in love with somebody else or you know whatever, and you know she's not in love with me, and the guy asks, well, do you know do you know that kind of thing? Um, I, I don't know. They kind of play on that a little bit because, you know, they, they sort of make it seem like John Candy's not the type of person that could get that, that actress, I guess you could say. Um, but I don't know. It, 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 it's sort of, um, I don't know. I, I like that love story. I, I, I kind of do. They, they sort of make it work. I, I think at the end, because of course, um, you know, the, the other actress, uh, Hemingway is obviously very, very attractive too. They, they almost kind of make it sort of work in a way um, near the end. And I, I don't know. I, 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 again, maybe 2023 lens. Uh, yeah. So creepy about, okay, now he's going to bring her in and give her this great role in the soap opera. And then, yeah, they're going to have this, relationship I think that he has done I think before. and that and and the whole delirium and the whole thing is a bit of a male fantasy come yeah, yeah. And, and so when the the male fantasy goes out into the real world there's a there's kind of probably a, a not great power dynamic if we're to believe that okay she's going on to be this soap opera star and she's you know her boyfriend is the the head writer of the of the soap opera but that um, it plays it no no you're right it plays as that and i i think that they kind of they just don't take enough time i think it wasn't very sh it shot very well at the end they don't take enough time with the ending uh, like you kind of say yeah they just kind of like okay we're here we're going to end it now right and and i think they sort of don't do a very good sh well I, they don't shoot it very well so that i think that they should have made it look like more time happens in the end for all of these things to happen with the relationship between uh, Hemingway and, and Candy's characters. But I think that would have helped, but they just, they didn't have that time, I think. And they just were, oh, okay, we're going to end the movie. And unfortunately, I think a lot of movies get ended that way. And then it makes it sort of seem abrupt, I guess. But I can, I, I would agree. Like it, it sort of seems um, like, yeah, it just comes out of nowhere the, the way that it ends there. Yeah. It is, it's Tom Mankiewicz, the director, and I'm just gonna. I was going to look up what else he he did, but he's not. You know, um, I I, I could be wrong, but I think he's part of the famous Mankiewicz family. But I'm just trying to trying to see what else he had done as a director. Yeah, I'm like, not too sure. I don't know too much about him actually. Yeah. Well, he writer and director. He did Lady Hawk in 1985 with Matthew Broderick. Um, 
the man with the golden gun in 1974. So he was, you know, I think he was, oh, okay. a, he was a bit older when, you know, well, not too old, but I think he was, you know, um, 49 or something, somewhere in that, that range when he, when he did this movie, but I don't know, maybe it was a kind of a for hire type of job for him, but I, I, I think that the town itself, everything inside of the soap opera and, and, and all that is great. I mean, the, the fact we, we, we have two ideas as to when we think that he, he went into this, this coma or whatever. And the, the real one kind of sucks. Like it was like, it was really dumb. Yeah. Could he really go into that level of a coma based on, you know, <laughs> pumping his head on again, put my brain on hold Jason there. I believe it in this whole other scenario where he's, he's going out of town with Emma Sams and they get into this car accident and that, that would make sense. But that's, yeah. I, again, having, having the two in there do, doesn't make it a ton of sense to me, maybe one or the other, but I guess in his delirium, he's been in a car accident and then he's in wakes up in this world. But the reality is something a little bit sillier and he's on, he, he comes up and he's on his soap opera set and they're just, he was only out for a few minutes, I guess. <laughs> days and days had gone by in his mind. So I'm, again, it's kind I, of a fantasy movie. It's sort of a fantasy. The, uh, yeah, it is a fantasy. And if if you're going to fight the movie, you're going to win, I guess. Um, but I I still there. I, I have a little place in my heart, and it's somewhat I, you know in a weird way nostalgic. I mean, it's not one I've watched over and over again like some of the other ones. But I I like. I like Delirious, and uh, so it's a thumbs up. Yeah, with the reservation that it's not—it's not a perfect movie by any means. It's not perfect. None no. of these are perfect. The ones we're talking about, but uh, no, I, not completely. You could do worse. Charmer. From the moment I first saw you, the light shimmering off your safety deposit box. A countess. But if the police investigate, they'll discover it wasn't you I was in bed with. An inspector to catch the killer. Lives are at the stake. I'll do anything you ask. Anything you want. Foreplay. Pitiful lives, but lives nevertheless. And a clever canine who saw it all. The dog is the key. Do you have the dog's papers? It's their talk. You got a problem. Murder most foul. Ah! It's him. This is the man. It was this couple. Help me back. We gotta get out of here. Right. Time out. In a movie, most funny. A woman is trying to kill a dog. We have found the elusive dachshund. He is my dog, but just since yesterday. So what else? You will need an attorney, monsieur. What I need is an agent. 
John Candy, James Belushi, Sybil Shepherd, Sean Young, Richard Lewis, Ornella Muti, Giancarlo Giannini, Napoleon as Napoleon, and George Hamilton as Alfonso de la Peña. Okay, tan boy, you're coming with me. Please, do not have me. I beg of you. My face is my fortune. Once Upon a Crime. Yes! Yes! I love it, I love it, I love it. The Who's Who of Who Done It. Okay, I'm a bit of a, uh, a sucker for ensemble movies, and we have this really kind of cool ensemble together for a movie directed by this obscure fellow named Eugene Levy. And I didn't remember that he was the director of this at all. And I know I saw it, probably rented it at some point in the early 90s, but I, I didn't remember a whole lot about it. But Once Upon a Crime is about a, essentially a, a series of couples. Uh, a couple couples are married, and then two are strangers who, who, who meet in Italy. And through a whole series of events involving this lost dog and going to this mansion, and then there's the death of this uh, rich old lady, and all of these people uh, then end up being suspects uh, in this crime. And we are led to believe uh, different things about who actually uh, is behind this. Terrific cast. Uh, John Candy, of course. Um, in, in, to me, the, what I liked about this is it was a different role for him. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't quite the same. This isn't Uncle Buck. This isn't, you know, anything else where I'm seeing, oh, this is a John Candy version of this character. Here he's, he's playing a character that's serving the story, but... As a bit of a different a different take is this uh, guy who, you know, he has this gambling addiction uh, and he's very wealthy and very confident in himself. James Belushi, who was, of course, mentioned, he had a, you know, a cameo in Who's Harry Crumb, has a bit of a bigger role, him and Sybil Shepherd are married and uh, they're on this holiday and he's really excited to, to go to this high stakes uh, casino, and he, he's beat the system. He's figured out uh, craps, I believe. He's figured out, uh, or no, roulette. He's figured out roulette and and how to win at roulette, and it's foolproof, right? But you can tell this. You can kind of predict what's going to happen there. And he's he is horrible to his wife. <laughs> who I yeah. mean, how this guy? Got, and this is this is Sybil Shepherd, still kind of, some sort of in in her prime, not past the ingenue phase, but, you know, very, very, very established. Sean Young, who very famous from Blade Runner, of course, and Wall right. Street. She um, was an Ace Ventura pet detective as well. And, and unfortunately, I like kind of moved away from movie acting and had some, some, some difficulties there. But uh, we start the movie with her finding the dog and then meeting up with uh, Richard Lewis, who was another American who's this, Kind of this uh, struggling actor who's telling people, oh, he was in The Godfather Part Three, and Richard Lewis <laughs> doing a lot of his shtick. I happen to really like Richard Lewis, and uh, I think yeah. he's very good. And that 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 relationship to me was actually maybe the most interesting one in the film. And then we have uh, Ornell uh, Amudi, this beautiful woman who I don't know as much about her, but she plays John Candy's wife in the movie. Um, and they get into a bit of a fight uh, in this key moment. And then there's some question about kind of what what happened that night uh, with her when, when Candy gets accused of this crime. Giancarlo Giannini, I talked about him when I reviewed Hannibal. 
much darker version of an Italian um, uh, police detective. But he's he's quite funny. They have this this bit, which I, I mean, maybe they milk it a little bit too much, where his his assistant there keeps trying to light his cigarette in the uh, the lighter. Oh yeah, never work. Uh, again, he plays a deadpan. I think he gives a really good performance. And then uh, George Hamilton, who just always shows up in random movies, and he's he's this kind of womanizer, sketchy fella who's in the background. And we have a scene kind of early in the film where it looks like very much like he is the main villain of the piece. And uh, I think they're all really good. I, I, I had a much better time with this, even though it's a more obscure John Candy movie. But I think it actually has... Some things work well, some things don't work well, but I think it actually has a better overall story than a lot of the ones we're reviewing in the show. Candy does a great job sharing the screen and being part of the ensemble. I think some of my some of my issues here with it revolve around James Belushi, and everything's really good with John Candy until encounter James Belushi and the two of them have this ridiculous over the top scene where they're running around making a million bets and um and they're all over the casino and they're winning and celebrating and I mean you can predict what the payoff is a few scenes later but like some of that stuff is not really funny and I kept getting annoyed by how how horrible James Belushi and he's supposed to be this way to his wife because then there's a yeah. power dynamic that changes because she goes down to the casino and without even trying, she has way more success than her husband does. And she keeps her cards close to her chest. And for the rest of the movie, she has a lot more power, but why she puts up with this, this lunkhead and just, his, his, I mean, his, his scenes are, are frustrating, but the, to me, the, the Sean Young, Richard Lewis story, and it's kind of like, they don't like each other. and, You've seen enough movies to know that you know they they do are you know they're, they're they're likely going to have a bit of a kind of a cutesy romance. Richard Lewis is really good. Like I mean, he's he's now known more for his cameo or his episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he's playing himself with with Larry David because they're buddies. And I kind of you know forgot about that time where he was a good television actor and a good film actor, and so. Overall, yeah, there's some silly stuff in here, but I uh, I like Once Upon a Crime, as I already said. So I'll let you get a word in edgewise here. What do you think about it? Uh, I I know I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I like it as well. I, I you know I think it's one of I wouldn't say my favorite John Candy movies. Like you say, it is one of the more obscure ones. Uh, it's definitely it's actually it's hard to find even it's it's hard to to get your whole hands on it if you want to buy it um it's a fairly expensive movie to buy it's a very obscure one like you say um but that's i guess i sort of said it right there it, it's not really a john candy movie i guess you know like we've we've reviewed reviewed home alone obviously that's not really a john candy movie either he's in it um, but I guess, you know, if you just say it's a John Candy movie because he's in it, you know, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but he definitely, he doesn't have a major role. I, I would say in this movie, he he's there. Yeah. He's one of, you know, definitely he's a very important character in this movie. Top bill um, on, the, on the case I have here. 
yeah oh yeah oh for sure absolutely he's built um no i agree with you totally but like you know what i'm saying just i don't know if i'm explaining it properly but in in the story in the actual plot you know and and in the movie he's not in it very much um you know it's more james belushi honestly and james belushi is kind of terrible in it like you say uh, well, he, 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 he is himself, I, or, well i mean his, his image i i guess and yeah. i'm 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 not a like some people really don't like him and they are John had all the talent and James wrote on his the legacy of his of his brother. I don't think that's particularly mm. fair. No, uh, I I like I, him actually. And the guy worked a lot uh, and showed yeah. up in a lot of stuff around this time. And I'm usually pretty entertained by the movies he's in, including this one. But it, yeah. in, this, in this ensemble, if somebody's weaker than the others, it really shows up. And to me, he's yeah. he is the weaker weaker one. And I I also think I don't know how much he was allowed to improvise. Eugene uh, Levy allowed him. But this I was, don't know. This was um, Nancy Myers and and Charles Shire, who were married at the time. They're later responsible, like father of the bride and um, uh, both father of the bride movies and and some movies like that. They were husband and wife team that collaborated, but they later divorced. And then Nancy Myers has had a little bit more success with some movies with. Um, over the years with Meryl Streep and, the, and that kind of thing uh, since then. Right. But uh, they're, they're, they're writers on this, and I think they're pretty good screenwriters. So I don't know how much Belushi was allowed to improvise, but I think his character isn't very well realized. Like, they're trying to make him like a no a typical, you know, um, American going to another country, telling people how they should be acting more American. And he's a loud mouth, and he's a choice of pretend like he's a, a big shot, but he... He is just outclassed by this, you know, was it Monte Carlo? I think they're in. Um, yeah, they're in Monte Carlo. Actually, Monte I've Carlo. been there. I've and <laughs> have you been there? Yeah, I, I yeah, have. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, he thinks he's trying to act like he's a big spender when he's he, he's not, which I mean leads him into a predictable situation where there's this money he was not supposed to use to gamble on that he he does, and you know. You know, you, you just know exactly what's going to happen. But there's just something about that, like he he and the character are are so annoying that you just are like, okay, I can't wait for the scenes where he's going. So he almost weakens Candy's performance. When we first see John Candy on that train and, you know, he's he's trying to buy the dog and uh, <laughs> um, he's got that, that, you know, that mustache and he's so arrogant and everything. I, I I thought like my, my part of my issue with what you're saying like John Candy I think is actually playing a character and giving a performance in this movie whereas oh, some yeah. movies and even the famous ones we're talking about I feel like he's playing John Candy or again the image yeah. of John Candy I think in Harry Crumb he's doing that I think in in in, in Delirious he, he and and Uncle Buck and and uh, the great outdoors, which we're talking about in a few minutes, he's there's some things in the writing where a little bit different, but he's playing a John Candy type of role. This is yep. not necessarily a John Candy type of role, but I like that he's playing this guy, uh, and most of his scenes are, are are very good. And like the scenes afterwards, where he's trying to win over his wife, and then we when he discovers who uh, she likely slept with the night that she was mad at him, uh, and and then. You know, he's going to go after George Hamilton and they're sitting there having drinks and having this great conversation. I think <laughs> yeah. a, lot, a lot of great stuff in the scenes that he's in. 
but it's not the typical role he would get. Like you maybe could have put somebody else in there, but it's kind of cool. And like you talked about the last movie, they're playing on his size and, and different things yep. here. You know, he he's in a position where he can, you know, it's not unreasonable in the world he lives in where he has this uh, wife who's this Italian model and is, you know, um, and is, you know, it, it, it makes perfect sense. Nobody's questioning oh, totally. that at all. Um, and it's just kind of the confidence of the character and, and how we yep. operate. So he has this, this weakness for gambling, which, uh, which, which gets him into uh, this trouble and, the situation that night i yeah i like all the business with the, the the bag being left behind and having to go back and uh <laughs> and like the the various interrogation scenes and how they end up all getting caught like the, it's a good story the, the bit where you know i i guess the best bit involving sybil shepherd and james belushi is when they've <laughs> he's taken this, this this luggage away which it has the dead body in it and they're trying to get rid of it on the train when they realize that passport's going to come and look through their bags and they're so stupid. They throw out the wrong suitcase and yeah, right handed. I mean, all, all of that. And that's to me, the, the, the clever bits of the writing and all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. This one really surprised me. I, I think you'll be surprised how, how high it, uh, it is for me. I mean, I, it's obscure and I think that's maybe, uh, you know, I, I sometimes I'm sometimes don't always go with what's the most popular, even though I really praise the heck out of that uh, not very popular Home Alone movie earlier. But this, I think, this one more people need to check out, and so it's oh for sure mostly positive review. But there are there are some bits which are trying really hard to be funny. I think Eugene Levy does a serviceable job as the director. I, I'm not quite sure why he wanted to direct this and not. I mean, he he has a bit of an extended cameo there as uh, we're working, <laughs> yeah, he does. you know. And um, but there would have been opportunities probably for him to play a role in this, maybe. But he, yeah. he maybe didn't want to multitask quite where he has to star and, and direct it. So there's something about this story he must have liked, and he brought some of his friends in to do it and, and gave them pretty good pretty good roles, I think. So I mean, it's not changing the world his directorial job here but i think he does a good job well and i think he definitely influences uh john candy's performance a little bit in this um like i you know it, it's not exactly the same but i would consider john candy's character a little bit more like if you're going to liken it to anything um that he's ever done other than this i would say it's more of an sctv kind of character um and maybe that connection with eugene levy and him doing this character that's that's sort of i don't know maybe that's part of it for me but he definitely seems more sctv in this movie than than in any of his other performances well um but it, it works it works for me i i like it i i like watching it it's entertaining and uh the storyline like I, I really enjoy watching it like it's it's an interesting movie that i want to see the end of Mm -hmm. uh, in my opinion. So yeah, it's yeah I feel like I get what you're saying with this, but I get, I feel like it, Candy's character in home alone is an SCTV character. I yeah, feel like a lot of Harry Crumb and the disguises and things he puts on are out of SCTV. I mean, it, it obviously mm -hmm. influenced him. This reminds me like the character he's playing reminds me of this reoccurring role that Christopher Walken would have when he would guest host Saturday night live. And they'd have a point of view shot of this like cheesy womanizer type of a thing with the same kind of mustache and this 
this role, but just this guy obviously is a little bit more success than that guy. But I mean, I yeah. could you could put Christopher Walken in that role, and it, you know that, or, or there's other people who could play it. But I just like the fact that there's this kind of different type of John Candy performance out there, and maybe it's winning a few oh, more sure. because of that. This is Chet. You remember me, Chet Ripley? How you doing? This is his family. You can run around here naked as a bear and not worry about running into anybody. This is Roman. What a gas. This is his family. I'm waiting for the heads to rotate around and vomit pea soup. They're about to spend one week together in the great outdoors. We weren't invited. Ah, they'll be tickled to death to see us. Who invited them anyway? But this is no holiday. The man is an ass! This is war. wouldn't know a good time if it fell out of the sky, landed on your face, and started to wiggle. Are you going to argue, or are you going to enjoy yourself? Dan Aykroyd. John Candy. The Great Outdoors. Outdoor fun for the whole family. That had to hurt. One of my memories as uh, as a child is going to the West Edmonton Mall to see, we saw a movie, uh, it must have been in the summer, I don't remember exactly when it was for sure, but I have this memory of seeing The Great Outdoors in theaters. This is a movie I know my, my brother, at one point it looked like my brother was going to be do, doing this show um, with me early on, but uh and this is a movie he absolutely loves, The Great Outdoors. I have much nostalgia for it, but this is a movie that the critics ripped apart, and I think it didn't actually do that well with the box office. It was discovered on home video. It's one of the early stories of home video kind of rescuing a movie and giving it a little bit of a cult following or a bit of a legacy. But now, I mean, people talk about The Great Outdoors as a, as a comedy classic. What struck me this time, and maybe it's why I kind of liked it as a kid, I think, again, John Hughes wrote it, but he didn't direct it. He, he went to Howard Dutch. Howard Dutch had directed a couple of his, his other scripts, Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful. Um, it's interesting, like those two movies, and then where, where does it make sense to give him The Great Outdoors? I yeah I don't know and I think it, I read at one point that the Hughes was thinking about directing this but it didn't work for his schedule or something but but it was interesting to me like John Hughes wrote to me one of the great comedies of the 1980s and maybe one of the great comedies of all time National Lampoon's Vacation kept thinking to myself there's a lot of stuff that he has stolen from his own screenplay and put into the Great Outdoors and to the point where I've actually I, I read read that he was pursuing Chevy Chase to play, but it was actually going to be Dan Aykroyd's role uh, uh, in this. Um, but Chevy Chase was working on Funny Farm or something at the same time, and they were similar 
types of country-based comedy movies that came out around the close to each other that summer. I I, I kind of took it that John Candy's character is the Clark Griswold. He has these great memories of uh, uh, of going out into the wilderness with his father, and he wants to share that with his son. Sounds familiar. Um, but he also has this this anniversary. Uh, he went there or honeymoon that he went on with his wife. So his memories of the same place because of that. And he's trying to relive those great memories now with his family. But what gets in the way is that the in-laws show up, played by uh, Dan Aykroyd, and in her very first film role, Annette Benning, and they appear to be the, the type of people that they have their entire lives together. They have money to spend. They really kind of make fun of how cheap and simple uh you know, John Candy and his whole family are very insulting. Uh, it's like, well, why would you barbecue hot dogs? Let's barbecue lobsters, which, again, doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me, but it's kind of a – I always remember that bit from the movies. Like, I, I like how do you barbecue lobster even now? But I, but it's, it's a whole series of, I guess, episodes uh, that happen, which I, I think some of them are, are funny, but some of them are were not I, – I caught myself not really laughing as much as as I remember laughing back in the day, and maybe this is the thing where it works on me as a kid and, and the nostalgia factor is there, but as an adult and being critical, I, I think there's there, there's more misses than hits. I also kept getting the vacation thing. There's a sequence here where uh, John Candy skis across the lake and, uh, and it's this whole <laughs> elaborate physical comedy. Did I mentioned my issues with physical comedy. But yes. it reminded me um, so much of in Christmas Vacation, which is a few years after this, uh, the sledding sequence where, you know, you get that industrial sled and he goes down and he goes sliding through onto the streets and everything like that. I feel like there are things in here where John Hughes, as a screenwriter, is repeating himself. What I was surprised at, I mean, some bits always work for me, the, uh, the restaurant with that uh, enormous steak and just, <laughs> the old 96er, uh, the old 96er and <laughs> the grizzle and all that. I always like that. And it, that, that worked here, but there were other bits that kind of seemed silly and, and, and didn't quite work as well as it, it as I think it should have. Um, but I was, I was really surprised. I kind of forgotten about the whole thing with his son and the girl in the town. And there's kind of this sweet, relatively innocent teenage romance, which again, that was John Hughes' wheelhouse, I think, a little bit more at that time. For sure. That actually worked really well for me, which was something I I, I had not remembered that at all from, from previous viewings of this. I just remember all of the antics there and uh, the fact that Annette Bening's in this movie. And I was like, oh, what's she doing in this? Oh, yeah. Well, no, she was just starting off in her career. But. This was one, some things were filmed on location. I always had the impression it was shot in Canada for some reason. It was shot in California. But in this lake community where the residents said, in, in the following order, Annette Benning was very difficult. I don't know if she's difficult now. She might be different now, but at the time, she was very difficult and unlikable. Dan Aykroyd was nice enough, but he was kind of, it was very nice to the staff, but he was a bit distant with the people in the town and the fans and that. And that kind of thing. But everybody agreed that John Candy was the nicest guy on earth, that he, everybody liked him and everybody enjoyed talking to him and, and working with him. So, I mean, that says a lot about who he is. And you could 
you could see like this is one of the ones that if, if he'd lived longer and we found out that he was like a, a Bill Cosby type of a like monster, that would have been the most shattering thing on earth because oh he, yeah, because he is. I mean, his his image is so so positive, you know. And this movie does work well with his strengths, and I like him in in this role. And I think probably between him and Aykroyd, he he comes across better because he's playing more of a, a closer to a three dimensional character. He has a motivation for everything he's doing, even when things get twisted around and they don't work out the way that that he intended. But Aykroyd's a good choice, and they work well together because Aykroyd can play somebody who's a little bit arrogant or smarmy really well in the yeah. fast talker, but somebody who's emotionally disconnected from those twins. I forgot like those twins and they kept making jokes like they're twins from the shining or they're from the twilight zone. But I, I think, I, I don't know if Hughes was kind of phoning it in with this screenplay because it's episodic. So you kind of chuckle and enjoy these bits and you go on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And all of a sudden, well, they're leaving in two days. And we've had this stuff about like this, this guy who's been struck by lightning a million times and that they <laughs> talk to at the bar. And, you know, we have this old mine and we have this storm sequence and it's all to create this third act crisis. And of course the kids wander off and then they have to go in and rescue them. And this is a chance for Dan Aykroyd to become a, a father and, and a man that they can admire and the truth about what's going on with him and the lies and all this stuff come to fruition in this kind of over the top fight scene. I, I'm not sure I care for all of that, but it's the individual comedic set pieces that I like to hang on to and, and, and I appreciate. And of course we have a bear who's, Head has been shaved, <laughs> and Bart. Bart the Bear uh, is in this. I, I think if you look really closely at a lot of different things in this movie, again, I don't know if this was just, again, a kind of a for-hire job or that Howard Dutch, given the quality of those other kind of 80s teen classic movies, was a competent enough director, but he, you could see the bear handler and how that was all being done in those scenes. Like, they didn't have quite the effect. There's a, a sequence... After inevitably, uh, John Candy's gonna come back after eat, eating this giant steak, and then the raccoons. I'm not crazy about the bit where they're having the subtitles with the raccoons, but they get in and they've eaten this garbage, and uh, and then Dan Aykroyd mentions these maggots, and then that's enough. If predictably, John Candy's gonna go and throw up. Apparently, like everybody kind of runs in after him. If you watch closely, Dan Aykroyd is standing. He's he's a little bit behind, and you see him doing a one, two, three count before they're all supposed to run back after after Candy pukes or something like that. Yeah, it's it's some like some details where they're like, okay, well, I guess that was good enough. Let's move on to the next shot. I I don't feel like yeah. some people behind this cared about it as much as some others. Yet it has such a cult following. People love the great outdoor. It's in like a every summer traditional movie for people. So I feel bad ripping it apart here, but this it wasn't as good as I remember it being. Um, I used to not understand why it got ripped apart by critics now because I'm becoming an old cynical movie critic myself. I guess I don't know what I start to understand that a little bit more. But I think this is one, if I'm not mistaken, that you absolutely love. So I'm going to let you defend the great outdoors. <laughs> well, I, I hope I can do it justice. Um, 
I, I, I think this movie just works. Like I, I agree with you on a lot of what you were saying though. Like I do. Um, it's a very basic movie. Like in terms of the storyline, it's a very basic movie. Yeah. And it's a lot like, uh, some of the other stuff, uh, that was coming out, you know, in vacation and, uh, you could probably mention 10 other movies that, that, that sort of have that same similar, uh, plot line to a certain degree. Um, but I just feel that this one works uh, better than any of those other movies do. Um, maybe that's what I like the most about it is that it's one of those weird sort of predictable 80s movies that um, just sort of makes you feel good, I guess you could say. And uh, the performances of John Candy and Dan Aykroyd, um, they kind of... I think they absolutely contribute to that feeling that just that good feeling. Um, and maybe it's, it's to a little bit of nostalgia. Cause like I too watched it um, in West Edmonton mall uh, when, when I was a kid, when it came out and uh, I have that memory too. And I'll never, ever, ever forget it. Um, I watch this movie every time I go fishing, I think um, absolutely every time <laughs> it, it's almost become somewhat of a, a good luck charm i guess you could say um in a weird way almost like my own personal uh, rabbit's foot um in terms of a movie um you know i'll put it on just just watch it um you know j just because uh but i don't know it, it you're you're not wrong in a lot of ways like it's not a very complicated movie um and there's a lot of um problems with it it's it's not perfect in terms of being a movie um but i think in just the way that it all came together in the end for for something to be a feel-good movie um i think this is definitely a feel-good movie it, it just makes you feel good um but it, but you you do have to shut off your brain for a bit and you do have to kind of take it for what it is and take it with a grain of salt um you know like you say you have those problems with uh, the handlers and bart the bear uh but i love seeing bart the bear and, and you know like he just he warms my heart every time i see bart the bear hasn't been seen in whatever 15 years 20 years whatever it is <laughs> the bear's been been living in this abandoned mine is that what we're we're yeah. And the scene where the bear comes out, you know, and oh, it goes in and out. It goes in and out. It goes in and out. Well, you get Maybe the there's a back hatch the to the cave. Oh, it's oh boy! It's I mean, I, you I, don't I, know. We are Maybe there's pushing it here with, with, with this, and I mean, like, well, I, that's what I mean. It's not perfect. It's we're, not like this is the attempt to have like this dark thing with like. There's no reason why these. The girls go off. I, I guess they, they were, they set it up earlier that they're kind of fascinated by things like this when they hear about it. And, and it did make, their dad tells them to stay away from it. So, of course, they're going to. I, that's, that's all set up. But I just think it's such a silly, a silly crisis and silly. And I mean, it is. Scene where, they it all, where they all get mad at each other, I think on the whole, works really well. And like how, mm -hmm. how sleazy Ackroyd is to have, you know, um, just made up this this story when you know saying that you know he was drunk and he and he and he said this horrible thing on his wedding night you know i mean but yeah i and there, there's a nice little bit at the end there with you know a payoff when he finally feels like they're they're rid of them so the like the 
the last scene works. I, I think there's, there's there's more good than bad. I just, if I hadn't have had that childhood nostalgia and I'm just discovering this movie for the very first time, am I going to be putting my thumb off? Probably not. But it's just the goodwill connected to it. And I feel bad because lots of people love this movie. And yeah. this, this it surprised, again, this is one I thought would maybe I'd be a little bit more enthused about uh, in, the, in this conversation. But I, you know, I find myself a lot more mixed. But uh, history and nostalgia sometimes play a big role in my reviews. And so probably enough to give it a pass and not to steer people away from it. It doesn't need my help. But I, I, I had no idea that it was kind of a little bit of a box office. Not yeah, it made money. Theater. It was it was not really was not well received. And I'm not quite sure. As a summer movie, it, it makes sense that it would be out there. And it had two like Aykroyd and John Candy were two of the biggest uh uh comedic movie stars at the time. If Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, uh Eddie Murphy, like people like that were in a movie, people were going to it. But we oh, yeah. well, there's some strange things along the way that that you know at times didn't do well, but caught on later and then there's other ones that just remained strange entries in their careers that like did nothing but trouble i think is one of the ones where it's like well that's a weird one everybody here but it's you know doesn't seem to doesn't seem to work so yeah well i was just saying like the great outdoors made money like it it 43.4 million in north america over a 24 million dollar budget that's a pretty successful movie for back then i would say what i was reading it i don't know if maybe maybe worldwide it it started to do better and caught on a little bit more afterwards but what i was hearing is it it barely made its money back and then it was through the home video market people started talking about it and maybe when it was on home video it was close to the time yeah. that it gained attention in other places. But yeah, I mean, it, like it, it certainly didn't lose money, but no. it was, I mean, it was, it was ending up on, I think uh, years worse lists with the critics at the time. Siskel and Ebert just filleted alive. I saw that review. Uh, yeah, they didn't like it. Very much. Old shows on YouTube. Uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And I remember coming across that review and saying, Oh, they really did not like the great outdoors. <laughs> No, um, that's true. They didn't like it very much. They probably they didn't like it because of its. I'm I'm coming across this and like I, I talked about it a little bit with some of the things in Delirious, but it's kind of a critic-proof movie. I mean, everyday audiences who want to be entertained and have a, a nice light comedy are going to like it, and those who want to get hung up on the filmmaking and some other pieces might might struggle with it. I I don't know if the two actors they're very good together stretch themselves for for this, but yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed seeing the two of them together. And this was probably their most famous collaboration. I mean, they collaborated on several other things. I mean, John Candy, of course, shows up in Blues Brothers kind of early on too. And, um, yep. and you know, a movie that I, another comedy classic from the eighties that I really struggle to uh, enjoy. And I don't have the history with that I've had with uh, the great outdoors. So it's there. Uh, people can check it out. And I'm, I'm not sad that I revisited it, but, it just didn't live up to my uh, my memories of it as a child, which sometimes happens, sadly. Where do you live? The city. Do you have a house? Apartment. Want to rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? I'm your dad's brother, all right. Buck Russell had always been the black sheep of the family. I'm stunned that I'm related to you. 
Until one night. Buck, we have a problem with the kids. We're stuck for somebody to watch them. Oh, please, not that. Can we trust him? My brother, for God's sake. I won't let him get into that Satan stuff or any of the new chicks. I'll leave that for me. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding, huh? Now, he's making them breakfast. Cigar? No, thanks. Making them lunch. <laughs> and making them crazy. What did you do? Irresistible. And I want to ask you why I'm so attracted to you. I, I wouldn't even guess at that. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. He's unbelievable. I'm Anita Horgar. I'm Buck Melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. He's Would you just let John Candy give me, give me, give me. as Uncle Buck. What does he like to drink? I've been leaving the, the toilet seats up. <laughs> is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Uncle Buck. The new comedy from John wow. Hughes. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. Well, nice of you to notice. I'm a kid, that's my job. Coming soon to a theater near you. Now we come to, I mean, arguably John Candy's most famous role. There, there might be some others that people throw in. Planes, Trains is, a, is one you might mention, but I think Uncle yeah. Buck is his most famous role. And I again, Uncle Buck was one that I, I saw a little bit later. My friend added a... Uh, rented it or something and i, I heard about it. I, I heard it was a, like a really dark comedy and it was it was a little bit different and i i think i watched some sort of uh an edited version like there's all this stuff that was kind of taken out with some home video releases and things because it was considered too disturbing and I, I i i have seen this before but this was never growing up like one of my favorite john candy movies but people swear by it so i thought oh here i go again i'm a bit older so maybe i'm going to be you know, great outdoors, maybe not so much. Uncle Buck, I will I will be able to go, yeah, I I totally agree. And this was a, a full-on John Hughes movie, written and directed by John Hughes, one of those early Macaulay Culkin performances, and uh Gabby and Gabby Huffman. He was a child actor who got a lot of work in the same year right. that this came out. She was in Field of Dreams, playing Kevin Costner's daughter, but also Amy Madigan's daughter. Amy Madigan is right. in this movie playing uh, Buck's long-suffering uh, girlfriend. But essentially a family emergency happens and the parents are going off uh, and they've got a 15-year-old daughter who they've been struggling with, with her, her teen angst type of thing, and two little kids. And they need an adult to stay and none of the people that they nor normally ask are available. So they have no choice but to call Buck, who's, you know, the... The, the father's brother who is never married and kind of lives for himself. And so has been viewed as a bit of an irresponsible guy, but they have no choice, but to leave the children with, with uncle Buck and kind of along the way, like his, you know, his, his sister-in-law doesn't like him, doesn't trust him, but we discover he's actually a lot better with children than, than you would expect, but he's gotten on the bad side of his niece and she, is doing everything because he's knows exactly what's going on with her and knows how what restrictions to put in and is embarrassing to her and knows that the boy that she's interested in is 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 no good and he's interfering in her life and she decides to interfere in his life and try to ruin things with his girlfriend 
and to tell the mother that he's horrible, that he's drinking, that he's not, you know, taking care of the kids and, and all of this and really ruining Buck's life. And the heart of the movie is this battle between these two. But then we start to see things shift a little bit. Um, and we watch Buck win over the little kids a little bit sooner. There's a very famous interrogation scene with Macaulay Culkin and John Candy. I think that interrogation scene got very much got him, made him the front runner to play Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. Apparently, yeah. while that was filming, that's where John Hughes got the idea, as legend says, has it, to write Home Alone for Macaulay Culkin. Oddly enough, Mac others people had to audition for for Kevin McAllister. They they didn't want it to be like Hughes just put him in there for sure, but like he earned the role. What, what struck me is like the difference between Macaulay Culkin and this and in Home Alone is they're playing on the cutesy one-liners. This is a cute kid performance with the funny things that he says, and we're supposed to laugh and we go on to the next thing, you know. And but I didn't. It wasn't much for that, and I was really disappointed that. I've got a dark sense of humor and I I wasn't I wasn't laughing. I just was having trouble finding this movie funny. The story is good enough and and there are points where Candy got to use a little bit of his dramatic acting skills in there and this is the movie that everybody mentions when they mention John Candy. This and Planes Trains I think are kind of the two that are most mentioned. And I love John Candy and I I I miss him and I I love seeing him in any movie. I don't care if it's a a walk-on role or it's a big role but the overall thing with uncle buck kind of left me just sitting there i mean i i i like the G, uh gene louisa kelly uh, as the niece i like her arc i kind of would like the story of her again i think Q's was still he was trying to move into this bridging into this family fair with this and into home alone but i think he was still a lot better at writing the teenage stories and the teenage romance and the teenage characters more than the broad comedy but this is a comedy classic and i know i'm on the wrong side of history on this one but i found myself very mixed on uncle buck and it was a total surprise to me i thought i'm a little bit older now this is the one that's going to replace some of the nostalgia films for me and and it really didn't so and i know we're going to be in a different place on this completely so I, I feel like I'm disappointing you by saying it, but uh, but Uncle Buck <laughs> it, again. It's there's enough in it to give a small thumbs up to. This doesn't get the nostalgia thumbs up. This is just I think I like Amy Madigan. I like the cast. I like what they're trying to do. This one is the John Candy show, but I I, I was not as enamored with it as I thought it would be. So you can hear me wrestling with myself on this one, but uh, Sheldon, you're, you're playing defense again for this movie. So I know, I know. Um, you know, I, I think we've been pretty um, similar in our sort of uh, our criticisms on a lot of these movies. Actually um, this one, I, I don't know. I might surprise you. Like I, it's, it's not my favorite John Candy movie. Um in all honesty, um, if, if I was to pick one movie that that was probably my favorite, I'd have to say The Great Outdoors um, was was I thought, I don't know, it's the performance that I enjoy the most um, is The Great Outdoors. It's not Uncle Buck, but you're right. Everybody always uh, says Uncle Buck whenever you mention John Candy. It's, I would say, the movie that he's most known for. Um, it's it's a great movie and it's got a lot of really, really good parts. Um, I love the stuff with Macaulay Culkin. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the 
uh, scenes with John Candy are, are very funny. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't put it up there as my one of my favorite uh, movies of his. There's a little bit of nostalgia attached to this one in the fact that I, this one I also watched uh, in the good old West Edmonton Mall, just as, as the great outdoors, you know. So this was kind of nostalgic for that reason. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I think I agree with you on a lot of points, uh, what you said about it not kind of being um, the best in terms of John Hughes's uh, writing. And, and, and you know, I, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of times during the movie when um, I feel like watching something else. But it also, at the same time, does a good enough job of keeping my attention with some really good parts. Um, so yeah, I, I am kind of mixed on this movie too. Um, it's not my favorite John Candy movie. Would I say it's my least John favorite John Candy movie? Uh, no, it's, it's up there as one of my favorites, but, but not the favorite, definitely not the favorite um, yeah. for a lot of reasons. And most of, them all of what you said it does make me feel good it, it's a good nostalgic movie um and i like john hughes's stuff and and there's always sort of a similarity in john hughes's movies that sort, sort of makes you feel good but at the end of the day i i don't think it's one of my favorites <laughs> yeah okay well yeah i'll, I'll put down the like, i'll mention some of the positives i have on my list here because i you know i you yeah. know I'd be, you know, it's like people pulling out their hair and going, that's a comedy classic. These two idiots. Oh, no. But no, I mean, there are some bits that work. I mean, I think a subtle one that I, I don't remember noting previously is when when the parents are leaving and Buck is there and they, you know, they're, they're about to leave. Buck goes in to, to kiss his sister-in-law and she pulls away. It, it, it's very <laughs> quick, very subtle, but I, it just makes the wrong move. With everything he says and does with his sister-in-law, so I, 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 I uh, like. It wasn't like a romantic kiss; it was just like a kiss on the cheek type of thing. But <laughs> yeah, you know, like they're like they're a close family, which which they aren't. I like uh, young Laurie Metcalf. I forgot that she was in this. She plays this uh, neighbor who. who comes the neighbor in. is hilarious. She's he, very funny. And, uh, and she's hilarious. I I don't like how Hughes directed the scene when they start dancing. Uh, and then it was it's, a little weird, but well, it's predictable that, of course, Amy Madigan's going to walk in on them after the the poison apple has been planted or seed has been planted by uh, by by the niece in that phone call she makes. Uh, like you know, she's going to walk in on them and and think that he's having an affair with this this, this neighbor lady. But she she she's really funny. And uh, Metcalf, like when when she she can get away with playing big without it being over the top. Yeah. It's a really, she's she's and I've seen her play serious as well. She's a very very good actor, and even at this this age, this was kind of I think even pre Roseanne. Oh, that, for sure it was. Yeah, that this role, and I was really kind of happy to see her. I like the scene. Okay, there's stuff I didn't like about the birthday party. Again, the nephew Macaulay Culkin's having this this birthday over the time that the parents are away. Uh, like the silliness with that exaggerated pancake and, uh, and the toast couldn't get it through the door. All that. I, I wasn't much for that, but when like the scene with the drunk birthday clown shows up played by Mike Starr, I didn't recognize Mike Starr, a character actor who played a lot of heavies in, in, in other movies here. I didn't recognize it at all as him. I, I'd remember that from previous viewings, but it's it's where you see how responsible Buck is, even though they try to make him seem like he's not that responsible. Because 
like he he starts trying to be friendly with a guy and say, you know, he, I can tell you've had a little bit too much. Maybe it's best if you just go the other way. And then he gets aggressive and then Buck punches him. That's a really that's a really good scene. I also like the scene yeah. where you know he uh, who let the cat out. We we don't have a cat. Like I mean, <laughs> a dumb quick bit, but it was. It, but that that was that was very funny. So oh, I, I I'm not I I hate to say no. I hate to make it seem like I'm uh, saying it, it's not a good movie. It's it's a great movie, and there's some great great moments in it for sure. I call yeah, it good, but I, good to very good. I wouldn't call it a great movie, but uh, okay, think, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I mean, no, no. If you think it's great, most people think it's great. I'm I just for me, <sighs> it's it's entertaining. I wouldn't steer people away from it. I'm. I'm not just sure, like, I, I could probably watch with any age The Great Outdoors. Uh, there's a little bit of language and that kind of thing in, in there. The the whole subplot with, which I, I don't know if I completely mind, even though, like, Buck does kidnap this kid. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, hitting golf balls at him. And, like, there's a lot of kind of dark stuff involving that uh, really, uh, you know, turns out really awful uh boyfriend i kind of like the payoff to that but yeah i'm not sure that that's to me where it's a little bit more of a pg-13 type of a film then it's it's less family friendly than some other john candy movies i, I guess in that regard yeah i think it's he was trying he was trying to move into family more family-based or broader comedies with his screenplays and obviously with his his direct i think his next movie that excuse me that he directed after this was curly sue which you know you can't right. get any any sweeter than Curly Sue. He also was not a very successful movie, but yeah, I, I mean, I, and again, I love Amy Madigan. Anytime she shows it a movie, I'm there. And she, she somehow, even though there's goofy stuff happening, she, she continues to be a, like a grounded character. So when I'm criticizing uh, Delirious for kind of the handling of uh, the female characters and, and Muriel Hemingway's character in particular, the exact opposite is true with Amy Madigan. Like the way she talks to Buck and, and stuff, like she is, she's sick and tired of this guy who's stringing her along. She's giving up these years of her life, and like, is he ever going to marry her? Or like, will they ever have a family? You know, and and he just she sets things up for him, and he just doesn't follow through with it. And like I, I I like her arc, I like her performance. I mean, I suppose kind of between her and and Jean Louisa Kelly, I think they give the best performances in the movie. I, I Candy is you know he's having fun and he's doing a it's a role that's designed for John Candy, written for John oh, Candy. For sure. yeah. But I kind of as I said, like that most of the movies we're talking about, this is a role that was designed for John Candy, or John Candy had a part in creating. Developing it, I, I'm 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 not sure it was as challenging an acting job as even say like Once Upon a Crime for him. I mean, I think oh no, yeah. you know they but they gave him the Hughes gave him the things to really highlight him, and this is very much his film for sure. It's a John Candy star starring vehicle, and you have some really good cast members kind of there to support him throughout. But I I kind of think I was almost at the point where I was looking at a thumbs down review, but the, the third act kind of got me and the John Hughes thing with the kind of the, the sweetness towards the end and, and people starting to understand each other better. And, and even like, I, I think one of the great, one of the great moments in the film is, and we've seen this in some of his other films is when they arrive back home 
and the mother walks in and then her daughter is there and they're on opposite sides of the room but then they embrace each other the first time that they haven't been in a room fighting together forever because of this time with with buck uh it's beautiful i mean that's a beautiful mother-daughter scene that's towards yeah. the end so it's almost like i'm maybe wanting a drama <laughs> dramatic version of this but that wouldn't you know, I, i'm curious to like get full-on full-blown dramatic movie starring john candy i don't know if they could have sold it in in the 80s and into the 90s so they always had to have even if there were serious themes in it it had to have a comedy edge to it or they had to have steve martin with him or they had to have this kind of broad physical comedy or some other things mixed in with the, the serious stuff and i am a Again, curious if he lived a little bit longer, if he would have been given like like Bill Murray had lost in translation and Robin Williams yeah. got to do a few more serious roles uh, later on. He was already kind of in the 80s on that track. Robin Williams was. But it, 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 even Dan Aykroyd, in, he, in, he was in Driving Miss Daisy in 1989, which was a more serious and different type of character for him. John Candy didn't really, other than uh, cameos and things like JFK, wasn't given that chance. But if he had headed a a full-on serious film been the lead in it i really wonder what that would be like i kind of would be excited if that movie existed to uh to see it so just in concluding some of these thoughts about john candy but separate from uncle buck i'm wishing for a movie that doesn't exist so that's a, a bad habit i have sometimes i think the movie that we have is good it's fine any one of these movies that we were reviewed i think are fine there's a lot worse out there but i found myself fighting more of the movies than i expected to and and not sitting back and just going let me just be entertained and maybe this is wrong if the purpose is just to put a smile on my face and make me laugh some of them i think it points all of them put a smile on my face not all of them made me laugh so i don't know as a, a gauge of success with all of these other nitpicky things i'm going over if all these movies are successful or not but i think on the whole you, you you're very positive about i think all of these in one way or another just less enthused by some some of them i guess yeah i would say so like i you know and me being such a kind of fan of john candy you know i definitely could be a little biased in a lot of ways but um like there's definitely movies of his that i hardly ever watch um and i think a few of these uh from this list that we reviewed are definitely those movies um they're just ones that i hardly ever watch mm-hmm. um i think to really do justice i think to his career and his work um you, you almost have to look at everything that he's done yeah, I think you, know, so. you have to look yeah like you, you have to look at planes uh, trains and automobiles you have to look at uh kind of all of his uh uh, collected work was but like, um, summer rental was, was uh, summer rental yeah um, rental, is a good one like his i mean he's connected to heavy metal i mean i mean there's a like with every anytime i do one of these shows i i, I tend to think of oh, should i do a follow-up show but i don't have copies of all of these movies but i as it was i was seeking out some of these the obscure ones to to mix in with the famous ones so uh i'm glad i had you here to talk about these and i think it's time for us to award some points
Well, Sheldon, thank you so much for being on the Shelf Shedding Movie Show again. And uh, I mean, we had you on fairly recently talking about Action April. And I know that there's another show which is about a director that we've been talking about doing for even longer than this one that we'll have to we'll have to look at uh, in the not too distant future here. So, uh, yeah, I, I I suspect that you will be a guest again on the show sometime soon. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's always. It's a pleasure to be here, and and we'll hopefully uh, come up with some some other creative ideas for uh, for some shows in the, the next little while here. So trying this this newish point system, first time using it with six movies. I used it with three um, on an earlier episode. I'm I, I'm curious to to know uh, going in the order we reviewed. How many points would you award Home Alone? Home Alone, uh, for me, and I, I don't know, I was maybe very basic with my point system um, in this, but Home Alone, um, sort of in the middle, but somewhere towards the top with, with four points. Who's Harry Crumb? Who is Harry Crumb? And I don't know. I This is one movie of John Candy's I hardly ever watch. I, I like that he did it. I... I I like, I enjoy it, um, but it's really the movie. If I was gonna, I, I have to give it one point because it. I just didn't enjoy it the way that I enjoy all the other movies, um, and and it just sort of falls flat in a lot of ways. It's 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 great. Um, in some ways, there's so many moments in it where you look and you're like, oh, that's funny and that's funny, but overall. It was the worst one that we reviewed, I would say. <laughs> uh, Delirious. Uh, Delirious. I really like Delirious, and I wish I could give it more points. Um, but there are movies that we reviewed that I like. I just had to go with more, but it's right there in the middle with three. And then Once Upon a Crime. Uh, Once Upon a Crime. I like the movie. I like the plot line as a John Candy movie. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, he's just not in it enough for me to give it a full John Candy approval, even though I know I gave Home Alone four and he's in it less in Home Alone than he is um, in Once Upon a Crime. And I like the ensemble part of Once Upon a Crime, but as a John Candy movie and a John Candy show, I give it a two. <laughs> and we're into the great outdoors. Great outdoors, of course. The way I, I talk about it, you can probably tell it's my favorite. Uh, and I had to give it six. It just works so well on so many levels for me. And I know, like, we talked about the problems with it. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, me being kind of an outdoorsy sort of person, uh, the great outdoors just it, it it fits with my character more than any other movie i would say so it makes sense so according to what i'm looking at here then i i'm it's looking like uncle buck is five is that correct uncle buck would be five it's a great show but it's it's not my favorite fair, fair enough there but obviously you like it a lot because i mean it got oh yeah and but you know i agree with you on a lot of uh, ways and maybe i shouldn't say it's great it's very good good I, I don't know great. If you think it's great, don't don't let me influence. Well, I know, but before. but maybe my point, my my grading system is just a little bit different than yours. Maybe maybe when I say great, I don't know. Yeah, there's an excellent, and and excellent is that next level uh, that Uncle Buck just isn't. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll, we'll go with that for sure. All right, yeah. I'm sorry. We uh, it was it, it's it's very different, but we we agree in some places here. Um, for yeah. me. Just the sheer enjoyment. I, I did not expect Home Alone to be the top of this, but 
Home Alone was a six for me. I, I really it's like I discovered how much I love Home Alone. Right time, right place. Everything seemed to work. Who's Harry Crumb? Yeah, I didn't have a great time with it. I thought it would be kind of in the middle a little bit, but I I agree with you. I, I put one one point down for it. Uh, Delirious, I like a lot. I, uh, a little bit more than you, I think. Uh, I gave it four four points, and this is like a to me a, a a forgotten diamond in the rough type of a film. Once Upon a Crime really overperformed for me. I gave it five points. It was my second favorite of this. I get I get the points, that, things that you're saying about it, and it's not a typical John Candy type of a role, but. I think it was a little bit more of an acting challenge for him than perhaps all of the others. I mean, even Home Alone, he got to create that character, which I think was a bit, bit based on an SCTV character that he did, and and but he didn't disappear into that role. I wasn't like, oh gosh, where did John Candy go? He didn't completely disappear here either, but it was, you know, there were some attempts to to make it seem a little bit different. Great Outdoors, that was a bit of a disappointment for me, but I still had it in the middle for nostalgia reasons. I gave it three. Uncle Buck, yeah, I, man, I, I don't know. And I think Uncle Buck's a better made movie and probably should be ultimately higher than The Great Outdoors, but it just, uh, I think I, I I laughed a little bit more at some bits in The Great Outdoors than Uncle Buck, but Uncle Buck is trying to do some, some serious things. I mean, that's the one where I'm a little bit torn. We could have been either way between those two but uh but yeah again they're in the lower half for me which is uh surprising because those are ultimately viewed as comedy classics so points wise the winner um is home alone with 10 which sadly is the uh the least amount of screen time john candy has in any of these movies but that's how that goes uh number two is the great outdoors we then find ourselves uh, with a three-way tie for third, with Delirious, Once Upon a Crime, and Uncle Buck all having seven points. But, yes, <laughs> Who's Harry Crumb? A mere two points uh, was the, the bottom for both of us. This one was actually, I mean, it was available. It, was, it, was, it wasn't it was was an obvious, easy one to get my hands on. But this is uh, the Blu-ray of Who's Harry Crumb. And oh, wow, Blu-ray. Decide what I uh, ultimately have to do with it, because it has to leave my movie collection oh boy it is a blu-ray though i don't even have the blu-ray well you could you could have (laughs) i think i have a vhs and i have a like an old dvd but i don't think i have the blu-ray that looks very nice but uh yeah it's it's just not it's it's not what uh i hoped it was it could be i guess so so what do you want me to do do you want it i'll take it yeah i i i do kind of collect john candy movies so oh, just, just upgrading there a little bit from uh yeah yeah i uh, next time i see you i will give it to you and i'm, I'm always happy with that one for it to find a nice home because you know i there's somewhere in my heart where i want to cheer for this movie it just this last time it, it didn't happen as much i mean it's it's just a little bit too silly but not funny and uh and has it just probably arguably has aged the worst of <laughs> Of the movies that we were talking about, definitely you know, bits and pieces in other ones where it's it's not so much. But this is maybe as as aged the worst. But a lot of '80s movies have fallen to that fate. Anyway, I appreciate yep. having you on the show again. Uh, we need to do some shout outs for sure uh, to rank and review Larry's show and a lifetime of Hallmark, Kurt's show, Film Feast, Matt's program, uh, Schlock and Awe. Uh, Lindsay's program and sometime you know in the next month or so I think I'll be back on her show and doing a 
an interesting double feature, which we'll talk about a little bit more uh, perhaps at a later at a later time there. And as I usually sign off with, I want people to just be safe. People need to be kind to each other. And uh, I really encourage people to support the movies. And, you know, even if you enjoy movies half as much as Sheldon and I do, then you really enjoy them. And they're, they're, it's an art form worth preserving. It was a good time talking uh, John Candy with you. And uh, Sheldon, we'll hear from you again.